Welcome listeners to Creators and COVID, a podcast where I talk to creatives about their experiences coping with the coronavirus pandemic. Whether you started a new business and made something incredible or barely managed to survive with your sanity, we want to normalize those stories and create an archive so that the future can look back at our experiences and learn about the many forms coping and surviving take on in a global crisis. Science fiction has a way of reconciling a chaotic present with an uncertain future. But what happens when sci-fi writers create something that happens to tell the future? Liam Quain did with his book, Road to Juno. Road to Juno follows a superpowered family as they feud with a cosmic god in order to stop World War III from happening. The book is published by Beaten Track Publishing. Liam's story of gods and superheroes has distinct elements of the socio-political atmosphere the world experienced during COVID lockdown in spring of 2020. The part I couldn't believe is that Road to Juno was written in 2019, before the world became acquainted with the coronavirus. Join us as we dive into the complex role of a storyteller in times of turmoil in our world. There we will answer questions like, is the creator the person in charge of translating world events into digestible art? Or does our art simply reflect back to us the events of the world? Let's discuss the book, science fiction, and more with Liam Quain on Creators in COVID podcast, episode five, Knowing the Role of Art. So Liam, you're an author, correct? Yeah, yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you and your writing and, and, and what, you, what you do. Okay, uh, well, I didn't start off as an author. Um, I didn't actually start a book reader in general. Uh, I'm a filmmaker and uh, I obviously started, I, I grew up watching films, grew up like learning through film and how to tell stories. And then just before, it was before the pandemic hit, it was about a good year beforehand. I started reading a couple of books, uh, which was new to me and it was exciting. And I'm one of those type of creator people, if you want to call us that, who um, I can't really just say, there and listen or, or enjoy it, it consume the media as it were I have to like kind of take part so I started reading books and then went okay I'll, I'll do that I'll write one and I, I did and um, this was I was writing one and it, pretty, it ended the writing process the main writing process ended I'd say it was a couple of months before COVID actually broke out in its fullest so um, that was a bit of a tricky one when you actually look back at how close I was to actually hitting the, um, that kind of barrier and all the news that came with it I don't even know if the story would have been the same if it had you know didn't have that COVID to reflect so uh, I do consider myself quite lucky in that respect but then the publishing side of it and the editing side of it was all done during COVID itself and that's where it got you could tell it was getting going to be a lot harder to kind of gather an audience in a certain way like you couldn't just do the standard um, author um, meet and greets and um, tours like you know book tours and that type of thing none of that was available to us at the time so that uh, we had to kind of learn how to operate with inside a new like almost fully digital world which was very surreal I thought that you wrote this book during the lockdowns because of the theme that you have <laughs> for the story yeah. yes yeah 
So, so tell us a little bit about the story itself, and then we'll go back to the this uh, your your digital dilemma because that's interesting too. But let's tell us a little bit about your story that you wrote. The story you wrote. Well, okay. Uh, well, the story uh, it takes place mainly in New York City, and it is set in a post World War Three world. Um, and the World War Three was very controlled, so humanity lives on and, and got to see another day and rebuild. And that's where um, the the main setting is a rebuilt version or, or currently being rebuilt version of New York City. And the characters we follow are, I wouldn't call them superhero characters. They are superpowered beings, but they are more mythological and less action orientated. They're more like, you know, drenched in real, like, you know, the things we used to see in humanity. So they are necessarily grounded and they find themselves being upended by this change of their life in their lives uh, where they are looking through now a god lens at, at the rebuilt world and they have to decide whether or not they're happy where they are or they also have to decide whether or not they want to s- stay in the the rebuilt area they they occupy or do they actually use their power and become more than gods which in a scarier term, people who don't ask permission to enact great change, which is, yeah, I do understand how it's like, oh, it is reflective of COVID due to, you know, rules needing to be implemented and whether or not there's something you can question about lawmakers and following the rules and starting to see how the world's going to go and whether or not you have the power to change that. Exactly. Exactly. That's where I was exactly thinking. I'm like, okay, this is a COVID theme right here, but it's not. Um. <laughs> it's, it was. It's a bit strange because I, I I was looking at the state of the world where it is, and I'm I'm not one to judge, but I am one to put characters in that in like a a cartoonish version of our world and see how they would cope if they didn't need to behave like us. And if the consequences are really on paper compared to real uh, solid consequence. So it was it fun exploring a world that is seemingly disconnected from itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the war obviously had huge consequences. Um, PTSD is rampant uh, and um, people are being reaction, uh, being more reactionary than they would be as the, you know, the, the colossal wave of what's happened mm-hmm. has hit them in a major way and, they have to navigate the situation they've luckily survived in, but are they really that lucky because it's like being transported to a completely different world? Still a COVID thing. That's <laughs> yeah. still, like, that's still, that's still a COVID thing. Okay, okay, okay. So by some uh, stroke of serendipity, you have discovered this perfectly, this book perfectly positioned, like um, just before the lockdowns, right? And then, yeah. so what was it like having this, you know, because I, I I know as a, as a writer, you know, when you get the manuscript done and you've got the publisher and you've got the editors and every, you've got a whole team and they're ready to go. That's like a joyous moment. But then you were hit with this curveball of this new, the way that this new way that the world was interacting with content. So what, what, what did that do? What, what were some of the first things that you guys, the first dilemmas that you had to work out with your team? Uh, well, uh, we definitely have to look at how things could be marketed in a new way. And I know, obviously, money's not the be-all and end-all in, in, in the world, but it also 
at a time of financial restrictions and lockdowns that money was you came you know front and center in terms of you know people's lifestyle and survivability really so you had to you had to really find yourself in a relationship with money that you never really had before because I'm one of those type of I wouldn't I'm not I wouldn't say poor now but I'm I'm traditional working class in the UK which our, our class system was changed in 2015 so I was traditional working class and then we got bumped down to precariat which is less than working class and then we had a couple of good years so now we're back up to working class hooray um <laughs> so um we uh, we ends up needing to look at the, the the new digital front and how to go around installing yourself into it which was very difficult because I'm not an on-camera person I'm a behind the camera person. So, uh, and also, you know, like uh, white people speaking in African, uh, uh, African-American vernacular, it uh, doesn't really suit me very well. I really don't like listening to it. So I'm never going to be popular on TikTok, which was the new base for books, for, for selling books, for marketing books. Um, you know, it has all the, you know, white people dancing and mm. I'm not a dancer. <laughs> and if you're not a dancer, then you have to speak the part. And I don't really speak the part because I, I just it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, it's not my area of expertise, nor nor do I think it's a lot of theirs actually. Yeah. Um. So and that was kind of hoisted up in terms of importance, TikTok or as they call it, book talk. Yeah. Uh, and it has you know the usual people who are dancing. It has the people with puppets, and uh, there's a lot on there. Uh, and it also has people who, who lip sync and they're out of sync and it, it drives me crazy. Um, so it's it's a platform that I'm not suited for. So we have to look at different avenues. Uh, so we tried to, instead of going to the big money monster, we wanted to catch the the debris that was falling out of its mouth when it was swallowing or eating um, everyone else's time and money. Um, so I ended up going on Twitter and establishing myself as an author by joining in with the writing community. And I also found other social networks that were willing to help us out in terms of, you know, getting some outreach like uh, the Vero uh, social network who were amazing when it came to this because I just put in a couple of emails just to talk about the project and they were on board with, you know, giving me my own book page uh, to do, like, you know, linked with all the different networks like, you know, uh, the storefronts, e-commerce storefronts that they mm-hmm. operate with. So they, they use um, Apple Books. So it's all linked through those networks, which was, I did not think that had ever happened to, you know, little old me because I'm just little old me. Um, plus I'm British and uh, a lot of the social networks are all American and Silicon Valley based. So I'm just there. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of those little chav people going, hello. Um <laughs> I, I think I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think no, no. okay. So with you, you have I love your accent. I mean, okay. and so and I mean, Americans we're we're like crazy over accents. Um, <laughs> and and I, I'm like looking at your picture. I'm like, oh, he could have pulled it off. He could have pulled off book talk. I think. Oh, thank you. You've got you've got thank that you. that pleasant face. You're I mean, that the, the really nice guy face. And then when they start reading your book, they're like, oh my god, he did that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. in a good way in a good way like uh, yeah. i mean i cannot like the story is intense sometimes um, yeah and yeah. you have such a sweet face you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I, I, I think the reason why it works so well is because if, if you see my face when it comes to like some of the things that 
some of the themes in the book and some of the scenes in the book. Um, it's I've got kind of a Ralph Wiggum vibe where I go, I'm in danger, but except it's <laughs> you're in danger. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, um, everyone got to dodge that bullet and the book is just simple prose. Um, but yeah, I, I do find that, I did find that it was necessary to to keep a lot of, not really darkness, people called it black humour, like dark humour, but I, I I didn't really find it some a lot of it that funny just because it, there was a... Um, there was a, a, a root because it was all rooted in post-traumatic stress. Um, some of the cartoonish behaviour that is present within the book can be looked at through a lens of cope, like as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So, and I found that looking into trauma and how you know you have to dodge bullets and, and you know duck and weave to cope with the things that people are throwing at you in the world, whether or not they're just trying to survive on their own. I, I don't, I don't really like the phrase "the world." you know life's tough I, I don't really like those phrases because uh, it, uh, it's it's well that's actually explained in the book um it's I, I think people do everything I don't think life uh, you know causes car crashes or or like you know has uh, gas leaks and stuff like that like a lot of it's human error mm. it, it's it people call it bad luck because they want to apply a mythology to it but it's also just like a giant within a giant game of mouse trap and you just have to try and not be the mouse. That that is actually wow. Are you sure this is not a, <laughs> like it? Um, this this still feels it feels so. And I'm coming at this thinking about this from um, my lit background, um, where you look at the little pieces and themes. And I've read. I I, I unfortunately am, I have to admit I did I haven't gotten completely through the the, the manuscript yet. But um, from what I've read, all of the pieces lead to this being a type of book that you would write in a lockdown situation where people are getting um, are, are having to deal with this sudden change where they there's so much happening to them, um, especially with the activism with um, with with what was happening over in, in the US with the the um, the police shootings and that being front and center and people not being able to run away from that those images and then seeing those images from around the world, you know, people saying, hey, that happens here, look. And, you know, so finally, for the first time, people, white people especially, were not able to run away from those images. And that that was a tra- type of trauma, too. Um, these all these all of this seems to resonate with some of the, the the larger themes in your book. And so from a cultural critic's perspective, this book, it just feels like it was just um, it was it was perfect for the time. Um, like it was it's so I don't know. Maybe maybe you have some of the powers that that we're reading about. I don't oh know. yeah, that that was great. I'm I'm totally fine <laughs> as we speak. Can you hear the wind? <laughs> no, you can't. Sorry, that was a lie. Um, uh, I, I I honestly the main lens I was look I, I wanted to look because obviously film director I, I use the word lens a lot in t- terms of trying to explain mm-hmm. just how I get a feel for things. Lenses change and we swap about and we get different angles and different. And the the story was written over a course of nine months, and it was an examination of what the world would be like with as many right wing governments as we we have now. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just characters behaving like a right wing government would, uh, a right wing government official would, and then in real life a pandemic hit and everyone started behaving how a right wing 
government official would because mm-hmm. that's what they were. Um, Trump was in power. Uh, John, John, Theresa May and Johnson are still in power now. They won't be for long. Johnson's gone in the next election. Mm-hmm. Keir Starmer will be taking over England and it'll be right wing with a smile. Um, it's one of those type of governments. Uh, he's already basically been selected to lead. And just as Biden was selected to lead, um, mm-hmm. I'm unsure as to how your situation is going to go. I, I think I don't want to, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't look doom and gloomy, but I am one of those doom and gloom type people, not because uh, I, I want it to happen, but just because I can't really ignore the pieces that you, when you can see in front of you. Like, I don't see Trump not getting reelected. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, and I promise that's not my fault. I didn't write it in a book. Yeah, well, don't write it in a book, okay? I won't. Oh. <laughs> if I write him in a book, a building will fall on him somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. Really. I, mean, I, I, I actually feel that way, you know, from, from reading what I've read. It, yeah, don't write any any books about <laughs> Trump being realist. <laughs> but, I purposely <laughs> didn't. I, I, I will never use his name in, in any of my work because I kind of don't want to help him or allies him any further. Yeah. Which is a lot of people do want to do that, but I, I'm not really mm. into it. Um, no. So regarding like how, you know, stories are told in COVID. Um I, I one of the things I've been thinking of is how companies are going to react to COVID and how it's changed the world, especially the storytelling companies. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a, a loan artists are, you know, write what you know, um and that's what they do. And all anyone is known is COVID. It's a question whether or not there will be COVID stories or post-COVID stories exclusively. And whether or not the truth will be sapped out of what COVID actually was to people for entertainment value, if that is the case. Can privileged people actually tell real stories about COVID that will affect the majority of, of people? No. Um, yeah. I'm answering that question right now, no. <laughs> um, because we saw them get into RVs and flee uh, New York City and, and drag and spread the virus as they went and yep. you know or leave you know, Ontario or, or Toronto and, and drive across Canada to like small villages and spread COVID as yes. they went. Um, yep. But, but that is actually the purpose for this podcast is because I, I as, as you have, I, I'm, as you are, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm, I, I seem kind of like an optimist, but I am, I can look and see, okay, the way history has painted things, the history, you know, they say history is written by the victors and that's, um, that's uh, to me, I believe in that. Um, yeah. and, and because you see how, um, well, in here in America, how case, the great case in point, how the, the there's a, a country music group who was named after the antebellum South. They're called, they yes. call themselves Lady, Lady Antebellum. Yeah. After, after seeing the activism and hearing about, you know, the hearing the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the, you know, what what it was about and what what things were that were happening outside of their little bubble to everyone else yes. in the US. They said, well, we we found out that antebellum stands for a period of time in American history that, you know, whatever. They they found out that antebellum, the antebellum time period was slavery. Um yes. And I'm like, that's not new though, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. because yeah. An- the, the antebellum, the the term is is used for the aesthetic, the look of the South at that time. Uh, at the same time that there were enslaved people around and 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 living and and being tortured and everything else. So the fact that they that they that they they were able to d- um, 
disconnect the term antebellum yes. from slavery. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, that, yeah. that proves what you just said about how, you know, it, that proves my answer that no, they won't be able to, <laughs> to capture because, because they did that, that that's already been done. I mean, yeah. you have to them, you have Scarlett O'Hara and her, I don't know if you know about gone with the wind and all that, but yes, yes. And it held up as this amazing American book. I mean, the story's cute. I'll give it that. I mean, <laughs> but um, you've got these, this antebellum look, the big dresses and gowns and stuff that, that, that is glorified throughout the South. And then they have slavery over here as something separate, not even, it, and it never crosses anybody's mind that they all happened at the same time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so. uh, as you said, bubbles, like that's, um, it's, it's the, that is the fruits of the labor of the edu- educational system in certain states, mm-hmm. painting the war loss as a war, as theft of victory more than, um, you know, our team went to bat and died miserably because they were going against progress and human lives. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately never works. It never lasts that because obviously the animal instinct of human humanity and the collectiveness will always break down the walls that are put up by these people. But then they found a way that to teach an alternate view of history to people. So their textbooks had, uh, as you obviously you will know, um, the textbooks were altered to paint this the obviously the seceding South in a more pleasurable, mm-hmm. scrappy light, like uh, uh, the little rebel mentality. Mm-hmm. As it, and and turns out the thing they were rebelling against was <laughs> in getting rid of slavery, mm-hmm. which is. <laughs> astounding yeah and you can't tell any of them that you can't tell no. anybody well i mean now now it's you know it's being it's it's more of a widespread thing and i think we can thank covid for that because like i said uh the, this captive audience you can't turn away when all of your content is talking about the way a certain people were treated and then you know you can't turn away when all the content is talking about you know this certain uh parts of history that you um, may have been taught differently from. So I think that it, that it educated people. But I think um, COVID, there's a lot of injustices that were um, um, like uh, injustice with um, the healthcare systems um, around the world, especially in America, um, and, yes. and, and, and class injustice. I think that you know, COVID exposed a lot of that, that I think is in danger of being kind of swept under the same thing in the same way that antebellum yes, is disconnected yes. from south uh, from slavery so absolutely um well as, as yeah it's you're you're talking about like country sorry country a company um ruling and how people you know the heads of organizations are gonna sit down and how are they are gonna tell the narrative as they are the victors as you say mm-hmm. um because they are ultimately the ones with the power and we have we have seen a little bit of a kickback which has been quite not nice to watch but it, it it's not been horrendous um where company you, you realize that companies didn't actually have a a, a beta, they didn't actually have a, a way out they didn't they didn't plan for a post-covid way of life they just tightened the rules and you know upped hours uh, in certain places and and mm-hmm. now that they're finding it difficult to keep staff on the payroll because, or, or even find new members of staff mm-hmm. because they have changed the rules internally to maximize profit or at least to keep the profit steady. Mm-hmm. But that's not good enough anymore for the world. But like it, it has changed the world massively and people are now 
I don't. I really don't think that play, the, the system that's in play now, when it comes to the you know the system we've been living in, it. I don't think it can cope with a COVID mm-hmm. uh, a fully. They weren't expecting it. Nobody was expecting a pandemic mm-hmm. in the twenty first century with healthcare because everyone has access to healthcare. <laughs> Not really. Um, the the med- miracle of modern medicine. That's that's uh, obviously a, a topic that people talk about and that people feel safe about but there is just one system one way of the world and whether or not like you know the one that's been built at the moment is only one at the moment and whether or not it can fluctuate and change well we're seeing it can't we're seeing mm-hmm. it can't we're seeing that um uh, there's now going to be this people are still working from home and lockdowns are on the horizon again mm-hmm but they shouldn't be. Everyone, a lot of people are vaccinated, and and a lot of people um, went, you know, broke. So how can we not go back into the normal working society? Because it only worked for certain people, and mm-hmm. the rest of the people it didn't. Yes, exactly. Um, I do. You have a story cooking about this because I, I kind of feel like um, the way you're talking <laughs> about this, there may be a story cooking. Do you, do you have something in the work? Um, I, that you can I talk have, about. <laughs> I have I have a number of stories I've been planning, but this it's been kind of a um, a switch a switcheroo going on because every time I say okay, this one's the next book, it gets dark and I have to reel it back and then go okay, that's too bleak, not mm-hmm. yet. Like that is really really like cutthroat. I have to go back. Um, and I I do have what a story planned, but it's not really. It's kind of the antithesis of of Road to Juno in a lot of ways um, by design. Uh, maybe because I don't I don't feel like the ability to fly is really anything to be looked at at this very minute when so much stuff is going on on Earth. When that so many small like groups of people have problems in their own lives that are as big as as world changing events to them. So. I'm kind of looking at a smaller story that may be maybe slightly satirical and reflective of society as a whole, but whether or not that's the way in the writing process, depending on what happens outside, uh, is yet to be seen. But uh, I have got a number of stories I'm waiting on. Uh, in terms of like budget, like let's just say like Road to Juno is like a blockbuster style film. This one is kind of a small budget television series like mm. crime drama style type mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they, they differ from each other in, in big ways but i really can't focus on just little you know normal i'm trying to think of the right way do you sorry individuals i can't really tell a story about just individuals it has to have some sort of group connection to it even if it's a small group mm-hmm. so it, it does like it does sing the same song as Juno in terms of it, it looks at the world and I, I honestly it's so early in the process that I actually don't know how to properly answer that question I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's fine that's fine um I think you did answer it though um <laughs> I gave it a go <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I mean it, that, that was I mean I, I like what you what you said about you know trying to trying to find something that works but it gets too dark because i mean hey 
it's bleak. It's hella bleak out there right now. <laughs> and so, you know, if you're and like you, you're the type of writer to kind of write something that reflects the times a little bit or predict the times. I um, mean, the way bro did you know does um, in a way. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but if you if you're that type of person, it's kind of hard to write something that gets really dark because you're like, OK, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you have to concentrate on what audiences want, don't you? So. Yeah, you have uh, you have you. That's what I was talking about with post-COVID storytelling. Will it be escapism or will it be truth that people mm-hmm. will be looking for? And it's still undecided as of yet. So uh, I'll just see what happens when we get there, if we yeah. ever do. I interview. I had an interview with uh, Janelle Monet for the the uh, Amazon series that the um, Homecoming. Oh really? Um, yeah. And she was like one of, it was a round table and there was like a bunch of people there. But one of the things I really wanted to ask her because, you know, she's so sci-fi in her music yeah. and everything and, and yeah. the story she does. And I asked her about COVID and, you know, um, how, uh, I can't remember the exact question, but it was, it was how COVID would be depicted in fiction from here on out. And she's like, well, we're living, <laughs> we're living a sci-fi novel right now, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Creators in COVID is brought to you by Vero. Vero is a social network designed for connection, not engagement. I love it because it's a place for creators to be free from the algorithm and where episodes of this podcast will drop first 24 hours before anywhere else with a conversation about the episode to follow. That's right. Come to Vero and you get to have a conversation with me, Jenny Davis, and all of my friends and fans over there 24 hours before the rest of the world gets to see it. Download Vero for free from the App Store or Google Play and follow me, Jenny Davis, and share your thoughts and stories. And now on to the show. the world waking up to what's happening to black lives at the time. And then, you know, then you've got this, this virus and, you know, she's like, this is a sci-fi movie right now. <laughs> that we're living in. Um, yeah. and, and it got me to thinking, you know, so we do use, as you said, sci-fi to escape. Yes. How do you escape from the sci-fi novel that you're living? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was speaking to uh, my a brother about that who's he's um, also one of those he's a writer and he um he does you know online articles he also um writes film scripts yeah he's kind of weirdly he, he's got a, a really unique talent of being able to predict things um and he he actually did say a good he said like a good like a nice little one line to me about this when we were talking about like you know the the views like a dystopian fiction like the world is is and he said where do you think they got the ideas from like like the living what they've been taught mm-hmm. the, the people are getting ideas from these things about like you know how to believe it or not monopolies can exist and will mm-hmm. you just have to be it and you've seen in the uh, that it's being predicted the future you've seen in blade runner you've seen you've seen in all these different um articles uh, about the future of, of humanity will go this way so you have to make it go this way and it's that type of in like it does art inform or or is it just like a slow burn reaction to what they were already up to um and, and not that i'm just talking about companies in general i'm talking about people as well do they get their ideas from sci-fi to to like because it seems to be the way everything's going as, as you said 
as as she said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I well, yeah, um, I, I do think it's the future is not going to be cool, and there's not going to be robot cars that you can you can have gunfights on, and you're not going to be running away from tidal waves. Like <laughs> that's what people. I think that's why it's kind of allowed because a lot of people look at dystopian fiction and it's full of excitement and that's something that needs to be meditated on like it, it, like how exciting is it going to be when people live in their workplace as a pop a pick of the job that they as Boots Riley said you know in his mm-hmm. film sorry mm-hmm. to bother you like he, he predicted that and I genuinely believe that's going to be a thing mm-hmm. it's going to be some sort of lodging system that happens that's dystopian and that's not really part of the american way of life is it because it's getting rid of your home really uh, it kind of is actually because oh yeah <laughs> they used to have like coal towns like mining towns oh that were yes. built by the the companies and you know where you bought your your supplies and food and things from the company store and all, everything you bought came out of your paycheck and the rent for the you know, the how the home that was on company land came out of your paycheck. So whatever was left at the end of the week you got, which is usually a negative. Um, so you were you were forever in debt to the, the company. And then there's also this uh process that came after slavery that was sharecropping, you know, as a way to keep the, the enslaved tied to the land, you know. The, yeah. the plantation owner still owned you, but they they loan they rented land to you and rented a home. And you just had to buy everything else from them at exorbitant prices so that they, you never, you never became, um, you never got out of that debt. And I, that's, that's completely American. Okay. <laughs> so I, can, I can see it yeah. happening. I can see it happening <laughs> with the digital world. Yeah. Actually, um, if, if this is really weird. Um, when I was watching the re the WeWork um, documentary, do you remember the WeWork um, company? Where it's um, the company where it's a shared space, a shared office space. I and think so. Was that a scam? That that was a scam. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, the 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 company. It I also the WeWork, the shared office space part was it worked, but the other stuff about the parties and the lifestyle that was a, that that was a scam. Um, <laughs> you got to watch the documentary. Um, it looks kind of it looked kind of fire iron lindy (laughs) (laughs) so because they had a lot of promises with the whole the lifestyle part that didn't work out and one of the things they tried to do was they tried to do these we work dorms um and i forgot what they called them but they were that's where people lived in these dorms and they worked and and i'm like this is too sorry to bother you for me i cannot i cannot (laughs) um but they were like touting it as you know some Thing that you know, young. If you're young and sexy and and rich and you've got a startup, this is a place where you can be at. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so um, that sounds eerily familiar to a certain app I was talking about before, but I'm not going to say it's an interesting case. Um, <laughs> but um, isn't it strange how that you know the history sounds as dystopian as future? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you know, it's always tied to the future dystopia, but like maybe that answers the question that's where they got the ideas from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah as you just said coal towns that's mind blow mm-hmm. and obviously lends a lot of it, it lends a lot of um focus to educational systems and how much people know and how in order to 
basically be educated you kind of educate yourself a lot of the time basically yeah yeah you you, you, um which obviously is work so that's interesting but also it's awe inspiring as well (laughs) I, I, i do i do like i do find it quite difficult to have an attention span to do all of that heavy lifting mentally so if anyone does that like not just all power to them like they they are better people than me <laughs> uh yeah I, that that's yeah that's something that i don't even want to i don't want to <laughs> go there i'm just um and yeah and and okay so going back to art you you brought me right full circle back to art because um the education system is not telling us about how the stuff actually existed but there are films that speak on this and that talk about um, the coal towns and sharecropping. Um, if you look at October Sky in 1999, everybody sees it. If you remember it, it's a, a movie about a kid in a rocket. But if you really watch um, the film, you get the the undertone of they live in this house that's owned by the company. And that's why this dad has to go and, and do this dangerous job day after day because he has to pay the company back from his paycheck. That's coal town. That's um, yeah. that's 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 like that's that's that that system um happening. So so it almost it's almost like art kind of preserves this history even when the historians are somehow talked out of <laughs> talked into <laughs> removing it from the books. Absolutely, yeah. That's <laughs> um, that is comforting. I will I will say because uh, um, I, I, I've I've been to school and a lot of people. Do would a lot of people do show films instead of reading the book, which I may even be the standard. I think that might be the standard now, like mm-hmm. you know, especially now that there's documentary series, is that's going to kind of dwarf a lot of book learning. But it might actually not be that much of a terrible thing, just because. And I say this as another, um, just because. Well, as we've seen, like this, it's kind of an underground movement of education where. Uh, like um, the real answers are buried in fiction and they it's easy to to like you know dig for that prospect prospector's gold because it it, it all has a source and mm-hmm. it'll inspire more people to read and write and be creative that way so they do research so mm-hmm. they do it's like it's a job that requires education done by the self isn't it yes that, yes so that's um that's rather i think that's quite an interesting um Honestly, I, I really, I'm I'm still kind of reeling over the coal town thing. Like it's just the fact that it was so. It's such a perfect idea of the the you know the drama we've been talking about. Like the, the mm-hmm. it's a it's t- disconnected from reality, mm-hmm. uh, but it's real. <laughs> it's real. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I want you to look for this movie. It's uh, 1954. I, I just found it. I saw it in in a sociology class in, when I was in college. Um, it's called Salt of the uh, Salt of the Earth, yeah. 1954. Ah. Perfect example. It, it's everything that you that you talk about, um, and and it's a, a mining town. Um, watch that, and and you'll. You, I know when I saw it, I thought, okay, I thought that this only lived in. Um, I knew about mining towns, but I thought that the the type of stuff that was in that movie only lived in you know dystopian novels. Um, yeah. at that time, um, I know better now, um, but, but I think this, it hits right where you are right now. And I think it'll show you a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think film is a film 
uh, books, fiction, the creators are, are where, you know, are the, almost like the, are, well, let me ask you this. Are we the historians now? Are we the ones, the, 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 you know, the caretakers of history? You might be, because you, you're teaching me things. Mr. I wrote a book about COVID before COVID because I predicted <laughs> COVID from everything that was happening around me. Yes. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, I am, I, I do think, I do think like it is going to be where, where the, um, where the, I, I don't, I honestly don't know because I do want to say we, we, we will be the historians, but there's also, you know, the job question comes in. Um, obviously we won't be working alone. People will be there mm-hmm. archiving things like archiving our way. Well, my work won't be archived, but other people's will. Um, so the, there's obviously people who work with artists as well who, who also do the jobs that a lot, a lot of people don't really think of. Like the people only think of the directors and the writers and you don't really think about the crew and stuff mm-hmm. like that who are creators themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's going to be, I, I think there's going to be a whole, just as, as obviously climate change starts a role. There's, I think every industry will kind of transform and try and be some sort of savior of history of culture mm-hmm. of of their, their 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 little part of life i think where i think in the creators like the artists and the authors and the filmmakers and the musicians i think they're the starting point of it becoming lucrative to be able to keep the real pleasant escapist world tangible rather than the world outside for future generations, the hot one, <laughs> which is <laughs> uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I do think, yeah, I think we're, we're going to be the start of the a historian movement. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, um, from the, the scope of cultural criticism, whether we want to or not, we, are, we always are. Um, because you can look at the books of every era out there and see remnants of what it was like to live in society. Um, that's why I love cultural criticism so much because yeah. I mean, I will be able to look at your book, you know, 20, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, hundred years from now and see what it was like to live in this era. Um, once you parse out, you know, all of the, the dystopian um, themes, I mean, all the, all the little, the little elements of the, you know, the fiction, once you get those aside, you'll be able to look at all the themes and see what it was like to live in this era right now especially with you writing about the PTSD and the mental, the mental uh, part of it, which I think a lot of people are, we're not having enough conversations about. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I think, I think, um, I think it's already starting, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, one of the things I was happy to be able to write a book for was kind of to let some of those ideas bleed onto the page because we don't, we don't create in order to keep secrets to ourselves. We create to try and, uh, we, um, display bel- some beliefs, uh, especially from certain characters who you want to paint in a good light. You want beliefs to be looked at and to to be scrutinised in order to maybe you, they might be an answer somewhere for someone. Um, I'm uh, LGBTQ, uh, mm-hmm. and I only found this out really from reading a book that had an effect on me, and that kind of taught me who I was about myself and. It was kind of interesting that the author chose to phrase things the way they chose to phrase that 
cause that reaction. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was hoping for with my writing. I was hoping to like kind of have some sort of thing that might explain something to someone like about real life or, you know, about maybe fix someone's problem, or even just one person. So that, I, I, that was kind of what I, I, I hoped to achieve in in writing is just to maybe put some a secret in context for someone that helps them. Mm-hmm. Just like it happened with me. Yeah. And I and I think that yeah. I I think that having that desire and and putting it out there the way you putting it in the book the way I've read so far, um, I think is what makes it makes us creators, I think, better historians than um politicians because we do <laughs> Um, we, well, we do have that, that element where we want to have that, that connection, you know? Um, and so I think that, I don't know, maybe we are the best, maybe, maybe your book is one of the better ways to capture the, what, what this pandemic was about, you know, politically than, you know, some, you know, book written by somebody from say the Trump administration, you know, (laughs) Well, first, okay. First of all, it's probably not going to be true. It's probably going to that your your book will probably be more factual than theirs. Um, but, <laughs> but, but people, yeah, yes, but but you 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 went in intending to have this connection, um, and I think that that's going to make it more um, intentional, and it, it's going to make your book more authentic, and I think it's going to make it to where it reaches more people. Um, ultimately, ultimately, once you once you get past, we get past this sensationalizing of this god-awful man um i think we'll, we will um you'll finally get to, to a space where people um look for the authenticity and they'll be looking for work from creators like yourself who are like i wanted people to feel this i wanted people to connect with this i wanted this to to be to come across and and i wanted them to to know this about this time i think that will happen yes um, um obviously happy to hear you say that because as i said you're you're a, a really good teacher and an educator. Uh, um, based on uh, the articles you've written and the work you actually do with you know the podcast, it's like this first one I've seen uh, uh, talking about arts and COVID, and you wouldn't think it would be due to how many artists there are who have podcasts. There's about a hundred billion, but mm-hmm. this one dwarfs them in importance. I think. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I still count myself as one one amongst the many. But again, um, <laughs> like you, I set off with the intention to, to, you know, to connect with people about, you know, our creators and artists and people like me and what we went through. Um, um, as I said before, when you go look back at the Spanish flu, you don't. Mm-hmm. there's no work. There's no nothing about what happened to vaudeville at that time and, and those actors. And um, what about the singers? What about the writers, the artists? I mean, you can go back to some of the textbooks and see some of them written um, with the uh, uh, with the flu as kind of a setting, you know, part of the setting. But yeah. that's about it. Um, you don't, doesn't say what, what they went through and how they contributed, but, you know, speaking, that's why I wanted to capture voices like yours and put them down for a rec on, you know, for the record and Vera was helping with that. Um, yeah. uh, you put it for the record to say, Hey, these are the people who, you know, were creating at this time. And this is the work they contributed. And this is what they want you to know about their work in their lives. So um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the point of this, but I'm, and I'm glad that it it's working a little bit. 
It is, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I wanted to get to was um, how you felt while, you know, uh, this was all going on. Because you talked about the difficulty in um, going back to talking about the difficulty in, um, you know, getting, finding your audience and figuring out how this new world and how we're going to do this um, so that we're shifting gears a little bit right now um, for people following along. Um, but we're, we're shifting back to just you and the, the process. Yeah. How did you feel when lockdown, the lockdown came and you were, you know, left with this, this daunting task of um, trying to navigate a new world? Uh, I, I I felt like I was on a bit of a stage, which um, I'm I, I'm not really fond of. Uh, I I will say like there's a certain type of people who are who will thrive in COVID world, and that's the and uh, you know like hobbyist people who enjoy you know putting themselves out there from vulnerable positions and stuff like that. And uh, when it was digital, there's a lot of there's a few films made uh, using like webcams and Zoom. Mm-hmm. That ended up, you know, smashing uh, records uh, from England and America and other countries. Uh, and I'm 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 tech savvy, but I'm not really that. I'm not really one of those type of people who will set up a camera in my own house and act in something just because it's it's not really. I don't think it's my calling. Um, so I was struggling to find what to do. Like uh, while you know the book was out there getting edited and and in the end the edits kind of were a helpful way of me transferring some of my I'm, I'm I don't want to use the word claustrophobia because I, I don't have that but there was a the, the lockdown fatigue where you know you don't you're not really um I'm not really a, an outdoorsy person but everyone became an outdoorsy person when they were not give with given the option to stay in or stay in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of as a creator, that limits your scope uh, on how much information you're able to drink in from the real world from outside. And the only thing you could really do was look at Zoom videos and how other people are, you know, dancing around certain issues in a in a graceful way. Uh, and as a creator, my ability is kind of I, I enjoyed the writing and I enjoyed the directing, but I'm not really, I'm not, as I said, I'm not, I'm not a stage player. So I did struggle with finding a way to get my voice heard from confines, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, all you kind of have to do is you just have to know what you're talking about. That's, I think that's a very important part. Like, cause if we were talking about different subjects, if we were talking like coping or stuff like that, I don't know if I'll be able to, to be able to write a, an a author a book on a cookbook or whatever, because mm-hmm. that's not my field. But when you know what you're talking about and you find a story avenue in, in those subjects, then I think I think it does help just doing the work, just doing the writing and having because then that the writing instills you a confidence to show people. And that's what happened with the book. I I found an outlet for me to confidently say to strangers this is the this is entertainment you might like this enjoy um that type of thing uh, and obviously there's a few major authors who have actually picked the book up which is insane to me including one of uh, like that the, the author who got me into writing books has actually got it and they bought it and that's insane so that wow. kind of helped alleviate the the fear of being able to put yourself out there because the work's kind of like a nice costume for you to wear like 
<laughs> you can just advertise and speak to people in the language of entertainment rather than your own voice, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get you. I get you. Um, so what's next for you? Is there going to be a movie since you're a filmmaker? That's an interesting question. I really do want to do another movie. I'm desperate to do another movie. I'm pretty sure that another book will come first because it's more in my power to do it at this time. Mm. For the same reasons as I was talking about with the original one. Like I can just sit there and I can write the book and Mm -hmm. I can shop it out from where I am and I don't have to kind of perform. Uh, I, I, um, so yeah, it, it is. It's up in the air, but I, I'm pretty sure the the coin was flipped from the book side down. So that that'll ultimately end up being the way it's going. Do you, do you, I'm just saying this now, just because I think another lockdown's around the corner for us, and I know um, I know shops are starting to do the mandatory mask thing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we we instead of going forward, I think we might be stepping back. So mm-hmm. if I step back, there's a book there. So. Okay. So if, we go, if, if we're going to lockdown, there's a book. If no <laughs> lockdown, then, you know, possibly a road to Juno. Um, Poss- possibly if someone wants to make it. Which If, if someone, someone wants to make it. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make that clear. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> just in yeah. case there's someone out there. Yeah. Um, because I would really love to see one. But like you, I... I I think you're right about us maybe going back into lockdown because they're doing the same thing here. Yeah. When, when people in, in, in Indiana, um, the Midwest, um, America start voluntarily masking. Um, yeah, you know, something's up. Yeah. So, so so yeah. Um, oh, okay. We'll keep us posted on, on everything. Um, Oh, Oh, Yes, sorry. I, I do have an, another. I do actually have something on the horizon that I completely forgot about. Oh, go ahead and tell me. <laughs> yeah, yes. audio book in production. Yeah, this the audio book production has started, and I can't believe I forgot about that because all I've been talking about all day is that <laughs> uh, chapter one has been like kind of all. It's almost in the can, mm-hmm. uh, and that will be coming out definitely in twenty twenty two. In months' time, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on the release date yet, but that's that's the the thing making the most progress. So I'm really pleased about that and really excited. So are you going to be releasing one chapter at a time? Um, no, but I was thinking about doing some sort of first chapter exclusive release, early release um, on certain social network. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully something comes out, out with that, but uh, you know. Um, so that's what I'm on now. So ooh. Excited. <laughs> let me know. Let me know, and I'll I'll, I'll spread the word because I, I really think people should read this book. It's amazing, and I'm a sucker for a good sci-fi novel. So, <laughs> um, I I really so this this book I I got you sent me a copy, um, digital copy the week that the f- uh, film <laughs> film awards um uh deadlines are, are right there. So you know the deadlines <laughs> are turning my back. So I'm like watching like four or five films a day and then trying to keep my eyes open long enough to read more some more of the story. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's the, I, I love it. 
so um so yeah that's that's what that's it's it's been a struggle but it's a good struggle it's a good struggle oh, so i just wanted you to know i really really love it and i really really am going to it, if you get the audiobook going i i will be right there and i will share it for everyone oh, so, that'd be amazing. oh i did have one last question that i that I omit and that I forgot, I forgot to ask you. I, I ask everyone um, that I'm talking to. Yeah. Um, so, so um, this one will have to be um, edited back in um, somewhere else. Um, whenever I start, whenever I talk to my editor, Brian. Um, <laughs> okay. So question. Um, when people look back, you know, on your book, um, 20 years, 50 years in the future, what do you want uh, on, on, on this episode and on your book? What do you want them to know? What do you want them to, to take away from this I, talk, from your book? I I want them to take away. Oh, oh, I, I, I do have an answer for that. Um, I want them to take away that the, the way that we're living in this time and the way that eventually they will be living in those, their time can be changed. Everything can be changed. Like human humanity can change the way the humanity functions uh, and don't it's not really don't take no for an answer but understand that when people say making will change that can help uh, people who straight that can help strangers that can help people you don't know is impossible that is not true that is pure gaslighting that humanity has control over humanity and you can fix everyone's life who needs to be fixed Mm. as long as you do it together that is just the truth i love that and that was spoken like a, a fiction, a sci-fi writer. Um, so it was so like a sci-fi author. I mean, it, it was. Um, so you have me. That sounds like the beginning of a book, actually. Um, <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> ah, see. Um, well, thank you, Liam, for for talking with me and and you know opening yourself up. Um, everyone, oh, no, thank you so much for having me. Oh no, it's no problem, no problem. Um, and everyone needs to pick up a copy of road did you know um wherever you can grab them i think they're available digitally everywhere <laughs> so but thank you so much and i think people will enjoy this episode so absolutely i, I really hope so but for, honestly it's been an honor thank you so much you've been listening to the creators and COVID podcast many thanks to vero for the partnership in this podcast to liam quain for sharing his story and to you for spending your time with us be sure to check out liam's book Road to Juno, wherever books are sold. Come back next week for a new story that you can hear first on the Vero app, where we drop it and discuss it 24 hours before the episode premieres on your favorite podcast platform. Goodbye now. <laughs>